Sometimes he said qada is in the sense of legislation. Qada rabbuka alla ta'budu illa iya wa bil walidayn ihsana. Sometimes qada is in the sense of finishing something. Ida qadaytum manasikakum, when you finish your rituals or your a'mal. Sometimes qada is in the sense of destroying or stopping something in existence, like the people who are in hell, they say to the patron of the hell, Ya Malik, liyaqda alayna rabbuk. Ask your Lord to finish us, to kill us, means destroy us. So we said, in all these cases, Qadha has this element of finishing. So this shows it is final. After Qadha, then there is no doubt, no, you know, lack of clarity or certainty. And this is why judge is also called Qadi, because judge is the one that settles the de debate, the issue. Okay? And Qadar, we said, comes from Qadr. Qadr and Qadar are similar, it's measure, size. But it can also mean planning. Uh, in the Quran, we said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to some planning and refers to general planning. Uh, he also says that everything that comes down from Allah's treasures comes with a measure. After explaining all this, we said, now what we mean by qadha and qadar in Kalam or theology is the idea that we in our voluntary actions have different options in front of us. To make it very simple, for example, as a student, you can study or you can say, 
I don't want to study. This is up to you. But if you study, this would lead to certain result. If you don't study, that would also lead to certain result. Those final results are called Adah. But you are the one who chooses this route uh, or that route. So, Qadha is final, but depends on your choice. And Qadar is the way that leads to something, the design, the pattern which is there. So, there are thousands or millions of different Taqdeer is possible for you. It's up to you to choose. And although Qadha is decisive, but part of it is your own free will or free will of other people. For example, we were not able to be here now if Qadha and Qadar were not in favor of us being here. But what does it mean? Does it mean that we are forced? No. Part of the factors that led to have this decision is my free will, your free will, the other people's free will. We all wanted to be here. Many other things also worked. You know, air, security, many, many, many things work, health, so that we can be together. When all these things are together, all the requirements, conditions are met, all the obstacles are not there, the result is that we can have this class. Mm -hmm. But having this class after those things is not something which is 50-50, it's 100%. Mm -hmm. If all those factors come together, this is going to happen certainly, but we are part of those factors. I told you, for example, the story of, you know, Amir al-Mu'nir was sitting next to a wall, and then he saw the wall is not strong, may collapse, so he left that place, went to another place. So someone asked Amir al-Mu'nir, are you frightened and run away, escape? divine decree, he said, no, I am running away from one decree to another, or for example, from Qadha to Qadar, in the sense that if I stay here, the result is that if the wall collapses, it will collapse on me. If I go somewhere else, if it collapses, it doesn't collapse on me. So Qadha and Qadar are there, but you are also part of it. When it comes to our voluntary actions, yes, I don't have any control over my, for example, uh, hair growing, maybe, or not growing. My height or weight, you know, of course, sometimes you have control, you can eat too much or eat too little, but to some extent, maybe you don't have, there are people who don't eat that much, but they cannot change, and still they become fat. Or there are people who, for example, I don't know, uh, die soon, although they had very good, you know, exercise, good diet. Some of the things are not in our control. But 
are voluntary actions which are important for our happiness, for our felicity. These are important, not those things which are not in our control. Here we have control. Then I told you what I want to discuss this week is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala implements some of the plans that he has for human beings without taking away their freedom. This was something that I promised we discuss next week, which is now today. Most of the time, there is no fixed plan. Allah knows what you are going to become. That's there. But he has not fixed that you should become this person or that person. It's up to you. Allah has not fixed what type of job you should have, what type of study you should have, what type of place of you know residence you should have. This is up to you. He knows, but he has left it for you. But sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has some fixed plans, especially for societies, communities, or humanity. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a fixed plan that in the end of time, in this world, justice must be established. This is a fixed plan. And Allah has promised this, and this definitely is going to happen. But does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take away people's free will so that he establishes justice? No. Actually, the plan is that people should themselves establish free will. Uh, sorry, establish by their own free will justice. People should stand up and establish social justice. You may say how it works. On the one hand, this is the fixed plan of Allah that people should do this. On the other hand, you say they are free. So how it comes? The answer is that first of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> does not fix the time. If Allah was saying that in this generation I want this to happen, <coughs> okay, you could have a chance, but even here I will explain that even here you don't uh, really need that. But if, suppose, if it was said that in this generation this is going to happen, then you could have thought this is a kind of forced plan. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves it for people, he can wait hundreds of years, he can wait thousands of years, millions of years, but he is not forcing on any generation. He asked them to do it voluntarily. And finally, this is going to happen. If you are patient and you have time, then this is going to happen. But there is something even more important than this. 
Up to here is very easy. But there is something also to remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps our freedom intact but still he is able to make sure that what he wants is happening. This is very important. How is this possible? Sometimes, to some scale, this happens even among ourselves. For example, you see people who do campaigns, whether it would be for selling something or you know, for a political cause, social cause, they try to consider psychology of people, mindset of people. And they say, if, for example, we present our product in this way, this color, this fashion, or for example, if our food has this taste, people are going to buy it. They are not forcing people. People still can say, we don't want to buy it. But they know the way you make your decisions and by considering that, they can plan things in the way that you decide in their favor. You buy it. And no one can you know, say, you were forced. But somehow, they planned this. Because they were thinking of your mindset and of your psychology. You know, even nowadays, they even check your history, you know. They can check, you know, which websites, you know, you have been to, you know, which things you have purchased, all these things. So they know exactly about every person, the way he thinks or she thinks. And based on that, they can bring something to your attention. They can present something to you. And then that's enough. Then after that, you do what they want. So you are not forced, but you have become somehow part of their planning. Or for example, sometimes what they do, if they know that, for example, it's not easy to work on you, they do it through your children they try to use the pressure of children and the parents to buy certain things. Okay? So, so they put, you know, even advertisements sometimes in schools, you know, billboards everywhere. So they know that it's easy to change the mind of the children to convince them to buy something. They are not that sophisticated. So they motivate the children and use the pressure of the children and the parents in their favor. So without anyone knowing, children are working for them, without being paid. <laughs> Pardon? Without paying anything. Yes. So, this is the way they work. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the good cause, for the interest of humanity, He can plan things in the way 
that people, without being forced, they can help implementation of his plan. Did you get the point? They are not forced, but they can become part of his plan. Of course, Allah doesn't do this for everything, but there are certain things that he wants to happen, rarely. For example, a beautiful example from the Quran is a story of Pharaoh and Bani Israel. There is a law in the world. We call it in the Quran Sunnah. You know, Sunnah is a kind of law in the creation. That Zulm, injustice, cannot remain forever. Injustice is not only destroying the oppressed people, but also the oppressor. Actually, it's more hurting the oppressor than the oppressed. This is something that all the oppressors should know. That this world is not indifferent to injustice. The world reacts against injustice. This is the fabric of this world. The world which is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, like for example, if you have a uh, healthy uh, uh, lungs, when you smoke, your lungs sends back, doesn't want to accept, you know, you start coughing, you know, doesn't want this. If your lung is already polluted, then maybe it doesn't show reaction. This world, as far as taqwin is concerned, the creation of Allah is concerned, is always healthy. Maybe our relation is not good, but the world is good. So reacts to the injustice, doesn't tolerate injustice. Pharaoh reached the limit of zulm that had to be destroyed. He could not carry on with this anymore. Too much injustice. He killed people. He felt he has full right to take away life of people, to make people suffer, to claim that he is Lord of people. Even he said, you know, I am your highest Lord, and Rabbukumul A'la. Even he said, Ma'alimtu lakum min ilahin ghayri. He was not happy to be just the highest Lord. He said, there is no Lord for you other than me. So he did everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan. This cannot continue. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed Pharaoh of his plan. Normally, you don't inform your enemies about your plan. But Allah informed Pharaoh that a boy is going to be born to Bani Israel that is going to destroy you. Okay? Now, the story starts. 
Pharaoh, after getting this signal, this message from God, he could have stopped it, not by fighting against it, by accepting that he has to change himself. If he had started, you know, changing himself and doing Toba, he could have stopped his destruction. Because Zulm could not continue. There, there is no way to stop Zulm. One is that Zalem stops doing Zulm. One is that Zalem should be destroyed. Normally, those who are Zalem, they don't want to stop Zulm, so they are destroyed. But you can stop Zulm. That's enough. So, Pharaoh didn't want to change. And he was so arrogant and at the same time ignorant because arrogant normally are also ignorant. He thought if he is showing some cleverness, he can stop Allah's plan. This is a big mistake that sometimes we think we can be clever and do what we want disregarding Allah's will. There is no way to succeed. This is not cleverness. So he said, okay, I am going, now that I know a son is going to born to Bani Israel, now I am going to kill all the sons born in Bani Israel. No matter how many, if there are tens or hundreds, I will kill all of them, then the plan is not going to be implemented. This is ignorance. <coughs> so, he commanded to kill all the sons born to Bani Israel. First of all, this made his situation even worse. This mobilized many, many families against him. These families became later great supporters of Moses. Imagine if your son is killed or your nephew is killed, yeah? Then you would become very, very angry, very upset. So indeed, Pharaoh, by doing this, was creating and recruiting people for Moses' movement, okay? And then, mother of Moses, who under no natural circumstances would ever be happy to leave his, her uh, child, because no mother you know, would leave her child in a gasket and send to the river, only because of this accepted. If there was no fear of Musa being killed, she would not, you know, letting Musa to go to that future that I'm going to explain. So it was again the pressure of Pharaoh that helped. When mother of Musa saw this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired her to put the baby in the gasket and put it in the river. This river had a branch that was going to the palace of Pharaoh. You know, nowadays in some places like Dubai, you know, they make channels, so they bring water <laughs> to their own place. So they were not less than people of today, so they had a branch of it going to the palace. 
And imagine the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He didn't force anything, but he knows how to bring things to our attention so that we do what he wants. Pharaoh and his wife had no child. And right at the time that they were next to that water, this gasket came. They were, you know, surprised. They asked, you know, the people, you know, bring this. So they saw there is a little boy and perhaps smiling. Okay? So they said, it's good if we adopt him as a child. So they decided to make Musa their own adopted child. Look at the beautiful plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one that he wanted to kill and in order to kill him, he killed many people. Now he has been made responsible for taking care of him. Now, if someone just looks at Musa with anger, Pharaoh is going to punish them. This is the child of Pharaoh, you know, adopted child of Pharaoh. Who can even look at him with bad intention? So, he is brought up in the house of Pharaoh, but with also his mother there, because, you know, he didn't accept uh, you know, to be fostered by anyone else. So the mother was there. So he received the attention of mother. He had a very pious lady. Maybe wife of her own is more pious than mother of Musa because, you know, wife of her own is one of the very special ladies. So he has his mother, but also he has a second mother, which is very pious. He has the best training. If Allah wanted to send Musa to a place in the world which could offer him the best training, there was no place better than palace of Pharaoh. The best teachers, the best trainers were there. Especially for someone like Pharaoh and for the people of that time, a great part of training was how to fight. You know? It was very important, you know, how to fight, how to ride, you know, all these things, you know, to become very strong, you know, warrior. So they trained him. Also, because Musa was brought up in the palace of Pharaoh and as a child, you know, maybe even he was going to his, you know, a sleeping room, everywhere. So he knew all the secrets of Pharaoh, his mentality, his people, his way of planning. He knew everything. And then, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after some years, asked Musa alayhi salam to go and speak to Pharaoh and gave him some signs, the, you know, his hand, which was coming out very shining and white, the stick which was becoming a snake or dragon. Musa salam, needed publicity. Imagine if you are a prophet and you want to tell people that Allah has given you a mission. You are sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People would ask, what is the proof? How we can be convinced 
that you are sent by God. You need a situation in which you can present yourself, present your, you know, uh, evidence, and people can judge. Who planned everything for Musa alayhi salam? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the agent was Pharaoh. Agent was Pharaoh. Pharaoh, without knowing, made the best plan for Musa. What he did? He said, we call all people to come. In a day of feast, Yomuzina, Makan and Soa. So in a day of feast, in a place that everyone can come, we bring all people to be witnessing our you know, competition. So he made the best suggestion about time and space. Also, he said, I am going to bring the best magicians of the country. Not only the best magicians of, you know, for example, Cairo. So this added to the significance of this competition. Imagine if Musa was winning over just local magicians. Was not that significant. Then, in front of all people, they saw that the best magicians themselves were the first people to declare that this is not magic. People could think that maybe this is all a you know, game or you know, something unreal. To leave no doubt, again, Pharaoh was involved. He said, I am going to crucify you, to kill you. They said, La zayra inna ila rabbina la Everything helped Musa. So, you see, Allah has a plan. But in order to implement his plan, he doesn't need to take away the will of Pharaoh. The will of Pharaoh is there, but Allah knows the mentality of Pharaoh. And plan things in the way that Pharaoh, with all his will and with all his power and money and experiences, everything that he has, he works for implementation of Allah's plan. And this is one aspect of wa makaru wa makarallah, wallahu khayrul makar. Normally, we say people make plan against Allah. Allah makes plan against them, for example, or Allah has a plan. They have a plan, but between these two plans, plan of Allah is better. But I think there is a better <coughs> interpretation. <coughs> the enemies of Allah make plan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a plan that takes their plan into his plan. <coughs> so they work very hard, but indeed they are trying to implement the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So he is Khairul Makari. You know, who is the, for example, who is the best person to plan for a war? If you are able to plan in the way that the soldiers of enemies can attack their own people. 
can you know bombard their own cities if you can misguide them or if you can for example i don't know interfere in their i don't know radar system or communication system and can make them work against themselves so this is very clever allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was so confident about his plan that even informed Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was so ignorant that he thought now he can take advantage of this by trying hard to stop the plan of Allah and using this against Allah. He said, okay, I'll kill Musa to defeat you. Not knowing that everything that he is doing is helping Allah's plan. This is why Allah says, They want to extinguish the light of Allah by blowing with their mouth. But not only they cannot extinguish, indeed, it leads to the light becoming more. Allah makes it complete. Okay? So, there are sometimes, as I said, this is rare, but there are some cases that Allah has fixed plans for some people or humanity as general, and even for those fixed plans, he would not take away their free will. Most of the time there is no even fixed plan, as I said, for you, what type of person you want to become. There is no fixed plan, it's up to you. He knows, but he knows based on your choice. But there are some cases that there are fixed plans, but even with these fixed plans, there is no force in the sense that Allah says, you must do this, you have no choice, no freedom, no. First of all, as I said, he waits, he waits, he waits. And even if it is happening in one generation, like the case of Pharaoh and Bani Israel, he just offers and presents his plan and it's to people again to implement it or not. Unfortunately, bad people, normally they want to resist against the plan and then they make it worse. Yes. This is, you know, uh, something that sometimes happens. Sometimes when you are in a, uh, in a very bad situation, it's better just to be patient. If you want to do something against it, it becomes even worse. You know, sometimes. So, Pharaoh could have helped himself by just stopping. But he wanted to do more zulm, made it even worse. So he resisted in the way which was not helping him. Okay, this is about the issue of Qadha and Qadr. Now, the next discussion in the book is <coughs> divine justice. Of course, we talked about divine justice in the second unit, but here we talk about it because it's related to Qadha and Qadr. If people are free and based on their own free choice, they make the path. What about those people who have very difficult conditions? 
Is it just that some people live in very difficult condition, they are brought up into families which might be not very good, or society which might not be good. On the other hand, there are people who have pious parents, everything is you know, good for them, good education, good community. They are not in equal situation. Isn't this against justice? Isn't this a kind of discrimination? So although they both make free decisions, but the situation in which they make the free decisions is not the same. The answer is this. As we said also previously, yes, there is a space in which we exercise our freedom. We don't have everything under our control. There are many, many things that are not under our control when to be born, where to be born, or even whether to be born or not, to be the first child or the second child or the last child, to be an orphan, for example, or not. Many things are not in our hands. But what is important? None of these things which are not in your hand determine whether you are a good person or bad person. None of them determine your happiness in this world and the hereafter. What determines your happiness is your choice. Only your choice and the amount of efforts that you put to implement your choice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, لَيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى There is nothing for man, for a human being, except what he made efforts for. You cannot say, my father was so-and-so, my mother was so-and-so, I was brought up in this family, I don't know, in this community, this, this, this. None of these are going to help you. But you can say what you have done. Uh, I, I don't have the reference, but you can. لَيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى وَأَنَّ سَعْيَهُ سَوْفَ يُرَى So you will be given credit. So please remember these few points. You will be credit, given credit by what you have done. Not what other people have done. And your credit is also based on the difficulty or ease of your condition. So even the credit is not the same. For example, in dunya, you know, when two people, for example, go for sport, imagine there is a swimmer whose father, mother, uncles, you know, grandfather, grandmother, they were all swimmers. And a swimmer that even they didn't have a pool, you know, in their town. When they go for a sport, the referees don't consider these things. They don't say, you know, because you didn't have any swimmer at family, in the family, no pool in your town, so we give you more, you know, credit. They don't bother. Okay? But Allah is not like this. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes you into account every little hardship that you faced. The more difficulties you went through, the more credit you get. Afdalul a'mal ahmazuha. The best of a'mal are those which you have done with more difficulties. Maybe a person has, for example, written one book. Another person has written ten books. But we cannot say the one who has written ten books is necessarily better. Maybe the one who has written ten books belonged to a family of scholars, ulama, you know, many people encouraged him, many people taught him. Maybe he had very good intelligence. Maybe he had money to publish books. He had followers, supporters, lovers. Maybe that person took him much more to write one book and publish one book than this person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not only look at the quantity. Quantity is important, but quantity is only part of it. What? Not Allah would not want to see which has done more. Allah wants to see which one has done better. Of course, to be better sometimes needs more quantity. Yeah? For example, if there is a catastrophe, if there is an earthquake, okay? You cannot say, okay, uh, I only saved one person, but then I looked after everything up to his university. No, here it's better that if you try to save more people first, yeah, and then look after their education. So sometimes quantity is very important. You know, don't say, you know, I only save one person. But quantity is not the main thing. The main thing is which is better. Part of being better is quantity, part of it's quality. And quality is more important. So you will be given credit by what, by what you have done yourself, by considering your situation. If you have been facing lots of difficulties, Allah would expect less from you. If a person is brought up in a family which is not religious or in a society which is not religious and still he does good things, Allah very much appreciates this compared to a person that everything for him was comfortable, you know, was easy. And therefore in the Quran says, La yukallifullahu nafsan illa ma ataha. But also, La yukallifullahu nafsan illa ma ataha. Allah would not expect from you to do anything except according to what you have been given. So, he doesn't ask you only what you have done. No. He asks you what you have done with what you have been given. Maybe we give a person 1,000 pounds and we give another person 1 million pounds. This doesn't mean any of them is better than the other. But after some time we check. The one that has been given 1,000 pounds, what has he done with 1,000 pounds? 
And the one who has been given one million pounds, what he has done with one million pounds, we check. If the one who has been given one thousand pounds has made it two thousand pounds, and the one who has been given one million pounds has made it even one and a half, which one is better? The one who has doubled. Okay? So, you will be judged according to what you have been given and based on your efforts. Therefore, there is no injustice at all. Actually, Allah is very much treating with favor the people who are in difficult situation. If a person who lives in a very difficult situation calls Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help, Allah is fast in answering to this person compared to a person who is in a very good condition. His help for the people who are facing difficulty is much nearer. Especially if the situation becomes very critical and your heart is broken. Then Allah is there. Or for example, the people who are mazloom. Hadith says that be very, very careful with respect to the people who have no helper other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is very fast in helping those who are helpless. So Justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there, but there are differences in this world which are natural. What is important is that all the differences are taken into account. We don't have a kind of blank treatment that, you know, we treat every person all, diff, you know, in different situations, we treat them all the same, equally, no. We treat them justly. And when it comes to the people who have difficulties, not only there is justice, but there is also more favor, more attention, more care. Okay, shall we continue this next session? Alhamdulillah.